This is Kate. Welcome to Two Pastors Take a Walk and Make a Podcast. And this is Yolando. And as always, we are talking about what we are thinking about, what is astonishing us, and what we're preaching. But not in that order. Not in that order. We start with what astonishes us. So what is astonishing you? I am astonished by my realization that the longer I do this work, the more I realize that it matters. Like I really have this sense of what we do matters and that I don't. (laughs) Um, I remember early in ministry, I had quite a few well-meaning people in my life seeking to encourage me, saying things like, you're going to be great. You're going to do great things. You are the bee's knees. The church has been waiting for you to did arrive. They, did they really say you were the bee's knees? Well. No, no. That's you. That's how you talk. Well. Right? But yes. Understand. Understood that it happened. Not surprised that it happened. Yes. Yes. And. Still happens, by the way, to our but, listening audience. Still happens. And the reality is, I'm not. After 20 years, I'm not. I'm not, but Jesus is, right? And so the longer I do this work, the more I realize it matters. I show up and I proclaim that Jesus is Lord. It matters in light of all that is on the news, all that's going on in yeah. the world. And I and I, I feel this way especially probably because it's we're in this Easter tide and um, you know, Jesus is alive. This 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 work that we do for me right now, just seems so important and so, um, I just have the sense that it matters. Now, if I'm here in the world next week, that doesn't matter. I mean, it matters to my family, of course, matters to a lot of people. Matters to me. Well, um, (laughs) thank you. Um, but ultimately it's, it's not about me. And I just, I'm just walking in a sense of that reality. Well, that's interesting because it, it connects to what I'm thinking about actually really well. Kind of, I'm going to skip there because sure. I have been thinking about um, why well, I actually was channeling my inner Hinton and I was listening to the Bible, <laughs> afraid. the Bible Project podcast interview with N.T. Wright, which is like almost the trifecta of things. If I had been eating ice cream at the time, I would have gone full on Hinton. Ding, ding, but, ding. Um, but in, uh, he was talking about... Um, interesting. I'm only about halfway through. He was talking about how Paul understands the powers and principalities of evil. Um, but it just led to a, like a one-off comment when he was just talking about how when believers are able to dig in and be really faithful, um, that, that transformation happens, but that sometimes, you know, the, the role of the believer can appear really ambiguous. Right. Mm. And I, and I really resonate with that because I feel this constant tension, and I think we've maybe mentioned it before on the podcast, but definitely talked about it a lot. I feel this constant tension between being a pastor and being an activist. And I feel mm. like so many of our colleagues have feel, and I mean, whatever, that might be the Spirit's calling for them, 
that that the role of the pastor is to be an activist. And I feel like there's a big overlap on the Venn diagram, but it's different, right? Mm-hmm. And it connects with what you're saying is that like, even though I know that it isn't apparent in the culture and in the power structure of the culture, you and I spending our lives work leading these congregations, which by the cultural calculus are marginal, right? Yes. Very. And so to spend your whole life you know, pouring into that and to really believe that, you know, um, I want to do this work of sharing my life with and, um, sharing my, my thoughts with and, Mm -hmm. and helping people renew their minds in Christ and not solely, um, doing, you know, interfaith work that's performative and visible and not solely saying like, okay, how many people are we going to get to this rally? Not that we would never do that, but, but that that's not the primary focus of my work. This, this belief that um, I am not an activist. I am a pastor. And so the product of my work is this community. Mm. And for me, for this community to be faithful to the gospel, it's always going to appear marginal to the culture because we're going to pour lots of time and energy and love and attention into people that the culture says, Thank you next. Like, you know, get your life together, have something to offer, and then come back to our community, but not, yeah. you know, not in the midst of transition. And I, you know, I feel um, really tugged in both directions by some um, friends who I really admire who, who think, you know, our congregation is too political and too activist, and other friends who I'd really admire who think, you know, we're kind of pulling our punches and appeasing and sitting things out and just wow. being in this uncomfortable middle place. And, and wanting to be a peacemaking congregation, which means I'm preaching the gospel and preaching the gospel in a way that names powers and principalities, um, but not demonizing the people who are caught up in them, but also mm-hmm. naming behaviors that the culture condones, which the gospel does not, mm-hmm. um, and not the easy low-hanging or false fruits that often get named, um, but the ways that achieving cultural success is actually a betrayal of gospel values. And it's just, it's a hard space. And I'm thinking about that a lot and thinking about, you know, how easy wanting to be a peacemaker can look like being an appeaser, right? Um, And, 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 you know, again, just that age old question of, do you want to be faithful or do you want to appear faithful? Do you want to know you're doing the thing that would earn the Lord's approval? Or do you just want to do the thing that will make, you know, mm. prominent people in whatever camp say, oh yeah, she's on, she's an ally or she's on our side. Um, and just a, you know, a tough, a tough thing, but it was interesting in that NT Wright podcast, he was talking about these marginal communities, say in South Africa, doing the spiritual work, how, you know, he credits the end of apartheid and how it wasn't a bloodbath as everyone predicted it would be yes. by these powerful spiritual communities and these faith leaders who were going into the halls of government and saying, not do this or else, um, but we're saying, like, I want to sit down and read scripture with you. And just talking about how, like, y- you know, the, the spiritual role of earthly power structures. And, and he was... Um, Sorry, this is too long. But like he was connecting it to Jesus's conversation with Pilate and Jesus sort of saying to Pilate, hey, you have this authority from God. Mm -hmm, (laughs) And mm -hmm. so 
it matters how you use this. So not to say like God approves of every choice you make because God put you in this office. Therefore, everything you do is cool with with God. Not, um, but you have this authority from God. And so, you know, let me help you, um, you know, tease through and, and, and Wright was talking about, you know, Tutu and others going to leaders and saying, I need to read scripture with you. So not saying y'all are the white devils, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. even though much of what they did was demonic, but Mm -hmm. saying like, I want to work through this power structure to bring about change, which was unfathomable. And then the just uncomfortable reality that South Africa is far from Shangri-La, right? And that in many ways right now, devastatingly, there's more economic disparity and and more you know suffering and impoverishment now than there was under apartheid, which really is hard to even you know comprehend how to even think about that. But um, anyway, so just thinking about that and thinking about what happens when pastors don't think clearly about their role and let the culture dictate to them what it is, yeah. and also just kind of being ever like having a healthy tension between. Mm-hmm. You know, am I participating in this because it's good and wise and faithful? Am I participating in this because I want people to see me in a certain way or see mm-hmm. my church in a certain way? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, am I sitting out of this because I want to keep certain people happy? I mean, it's just a really, it's a it's a really precarious calculus to make, and I and I certainly don't. I'm not sitting here saying I make it well. Mm-hmm. I'm saying like I really agonize over it and grieve over it and try to figure out what it looks like just to what you're saying, to take my, to take the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in this community very seriously, yeah. myself less so, mm-hmm. but also not let myself totally off the hook and say like, God's going to do what God's going to do. So whatever, I'm That's watching right. the Simpsons right. rerun, right? Like how do you, how do you balance all of that out? So that is what I'm thinking about. So it just matters that we show up as salt and light and, um, Right, but also, you know, that we we really wrestle with it and and work it out in fear and trembling and yeah. not just do the thing that, you know, not go out of our way to be arbitrarily um, a naysayer to everything. Absolutely. Um, but also, you know, just because certain people are doing things or the winds are blowing in this way, and I don't just mean the cultural winds, I mean the winds from within, mm-hmm. you know, this the, quote, religious community, be that the denomination or be that, you know, whoever's popular in the... Christian marketplace or, you know, whatever it is, like really being able to say, like you love into you, right? And I am listening to him and I'm like, hmm, why, why am I listening to this dude? Like why, (laughs) you know, and I need to, you know, just, I don't know. I'm, I, I am, I'm very, I think I'm very susceptible to that. Um, just sort of going along with what everybody else is going along with and not really, you know, cause it's interesting when you say you don't take yourself too seriously. And I, I agree but also, I do want to take, you know, this God-given life that I've been given seriously in the sense mm. that I, I, I don't want to let myself off the hook for discerning what, it's my, mm-hmm. what is in my ability to discern and doing what is in my ability to do. Anyway, so that's what I'm thinking about. Wow. It's a lot. So what's astonishing you? Uh, well, this is, this runs, you know, I, I think it's interesting that like we choose to start our, our conversations with what astonishes us. And we talk a lot about how that's a s- discipline because I, I, sometimes you have to really reach and dig to be astonished and the, the culture runs on outrage. And so it's mm-hmm. helpful to sort of re 
you know, reorient ourselves to say, I want to run on what astonishes me and I want to run towards, towards what is good and what God is doing yeah. and to be the ones to, you know, find it, and name it, lift things. it up. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I do that. Um, but sometimes <laughs> we say astonish and it, it is a little closer to outrage in a, in a pretty coat. And so I will just say, this is do more I of sense a, a rant coming. Well, I mean, it's close to a rant, it, a self to an, a self-indulgent rant. I, you know, it's just interesting. I, I said to my congregation in our newsletter on Sunday, I, I, on Friday, I love the Sunday after Easter. I, mm. I just feel like it's this incredibly holy, precious, you know, powerful time mm. to see, you know, who's going to come back, right? <laughs> who, who's going to say, yes, I, I see and I claim and I celebrate what God has done in Jesus. And now I want to get on the train, right? Like yeah. I, I want to be a part of that. And, you know, the Sunday after Easter is famously low Sunday and famously the Sunday where, you know, if you, I, I mean, I, I don't know. And, um, it is, it's astonishing to me that, you know, Easter Sunday is this beautiful community mm. of people who come with such joy and such anticipation. And we proclaim this good news of, of what God has done and will do and is doing. And we get this invitation, you know, that was my Easter sermon, you know, resurrection is an invitation, you know, and not to take myself too seriously, but yeah. like you come back next week and you're like, well, clearly I didn't issue that invitation very compellingly because I'm grateful for those who come. And I guess I just am a little bit astonished mm. at, at how quickly satisfied we are yeah. with resurrection and how, and how, you know, we come in this joyful, hope filled celebratory moment. And it's so good. And it's so good to be the community naming and claiming this. And then next Sunday you're looking around like, where'd my friends go? Yeah. And I know there's lots of reasons why people were not in church on Sunday. Please don't write us. <laughs> I get it. And that worship is, you know, we're free from the law. I, I get it. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I get it. But it is a truth universally acknowledged mm. that, mm -hmm. A lot of people will take a big long break yeah, um, yeah, after yeah, Easter, yeah, yeah. and I'm just wondering, like, what what is that mm. about? And um, and just one of the biggest gifts of my calling mm. is that I don't have to choose mm. whether I'm going to gather with a worshiping community every Sunday. It's written into this life I've been given, and so I don't pretend. I'm not the most, I am the anti-discipline person, right? So if I, I know I would be one of those people lying in bed on Sunday morning thinking like, I just can't, Jesus. Um, so, so I get, I get that, but it also just, you know, breaks my heart because, um, so much of the depth and richness of my life with Christ comes from gathering with the community every Sunday, whether I feel like it or not, and, and focusing on the truth of who God is and celebrating that truth and having these relationships and friendships with people that I wouldn't know otherwise mm -hmm. um, and sharing my life with them. And um, it just astonishes me that everyone could be a part of it and 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 people aren't. Even people who believe in it are not always yeah. a part of it. And I, you know. Well, I had the pleasure of worshiping with uh, with good folks at the Grove on Sunday. And I have to say, you, you did a really good job at the beginning of worship, um, kind of wrapping your arms around uh, those who were there saying, hey, 
there's something special about folks who come to church on the Sunday after Easter. And it was, it was a moment of, um, I, I didn't hear it as criticizing those who were not there, mm-hmm. but really affirming, um, those folks who were there to say, Hey, I'm, I'm glad you're here. There's something special about your being here. Thank you for being here. And I, I just felt that coming from you on Sunday that you really appreciated. I do. Uh, and it's just there. like what you're saying with your whole astonished, like yeah. I, like Jesus is important and we are not, but how amazing yeah. is it when yeah. we get to show up in the middle of what God is doing. Like there's just an incredible thing that happens. And obviously Jesus is everywhere. I, I yeah. get it. I understand the theology, but there's something particular. But what that makes me think of, like, like what you're talking about makes me want to go to work because mm-hmm. the reality is in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, the kingdom of God, the glorious Shalom-filled kingdom of God has been inaugurated. Mm-hmm. And that there, there are those of us who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and we want more. And, and there, 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 there is a reality, I think, of folks who can kind of have, a, I don't want to say a foot in both worlds, but can kind of go in and out mm-hmm. of that reality very easily mm-hmm. until they are captivated mm-hmm. by the kingdom reality, mm-hmm. you know, more fully in their hearts and minds. And then, and that's, that's the job of the preacher and the job of the believing community is to help people, uh, taste and see. Well, and, and how to say to people like, Hey, this isn't about guilt. This isn't about a yeah, shame. Absolutely. But but you matter. Yeah. And and your that's, participation that's matters. That's what you said on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. what you said. I mean, just, you matter. It's this yeah. powerful, yeah. powerful thing. Yeah. And 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 the the stories that we hear all through the week, they form us. And yes. and so coming back to this center and and gathering and mm-hmm. and, and, and and I mean and it's important for us as pastors to keep remembering mm-hmm. that there's no such thing as an unimportant Sunday and there's no such thing. Yes. I mean, the reality is we get to do this very few times Well, in I was year. just about to go there. One of the things that you and I have said for years is let's remind ourselves that we get to do this, oh, right? Yeah. Like when it gets hard, <laughs> when it gets frustrating, mm-hmm. when we're exhausted, what can, what can kind of creep up the spine is this sense of, you know, why am I doing this? Is this no, you know, just to, to, and and to be tempted to kind of walk away or at least to check out. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, but if you keep coming back to this is privilege, Mm -hmm. we get to do this. I I don't think that uh, has gotten, I, I don't think people like us have worked enough to help people in the pew see that, have that. Mm-hmm. At least I I can confess that for years I operated with um well I just I motivated people through guilt, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I and I would sometimes say, okay, I'll just use a heavy dose of pastoral guilt to get these people to do this thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, ah, oh, that's just such a low motivation. And now my mindset is, no, I want to help people see we get to do this. We get to be here in this space. We get to get, we get to do this stuff. This is joy and privilege. But it is an interesting thing. And my youth group kids, you know, when you work with youth, they just, 
you get to be really honest with them and they get to be really honest with you, which is definitely a double-edged sword. Um, but you're, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always much more, you can be much more direct with young mm. people than you can with adults because adults just aren't going to hear it, right? Adults are just like, no one's allowed to talk to me this way. And kids are just used to people saying, hey, this is how it is and I, I need you to get in line right. or this is whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would talk to kids about like, hey, this is this is what we believe and this is what we need. And if you do this, that this is what happens. And if you don't, that's what happens. And they would say to me, um, like, oh gosh, you make us feel guilty all the time. And I was like, uh-uh, buddy, I cannot make you feel guilty. Mm. Like if you feel guilty, what that means is these are your values, right? These are your values. That's if good. they weren't your values, you wouldn't feel any type of way about mm. me saying this to you. So, I mean, it's that sweet spot of like, I don't want to manipulate people, but I also just want to say, if, if this is how you feel, that's not a sign of what I believe. It's a sign of what you believe. Um, and it's just a, it's a tough, because I don't, do not want to build a community on the basis of obligation, on the basis of guilt, or on the basis of shame. That's all whatever. Yes. Insert bad word here. But, <laughs> I, you know, something is at stake. Something is at stake. And every one of our participation absolutely matters. And we are lesser as a community when we don't come together. It, it matters. Um, but it's just much more difficult to build a community and to build a movement based on love and forgiveness and grace mm. than it is to build a movement based on fear and shame and hate and exclusion. Um, and anger. And anger, mm-hmm. right. And so, anyway, that that's a long segue. What are you thinking about? Um, I'm thinking about uh, a quote I heard uh, yesterday. It was mowing the grass, and I was listening to uh, the Smart Church podcast. Hmm. First time listening to that podcast. And let's see, Dr. Lovett Wings was being interviewed by the host of that podcast. Seriously, Lovett Wings? Yes. Weems, Weems. Oh, all right. I suppose that's E-E-M-S. a lot. E E M S. Weems. That is a that is a name. Okay. Yes. So he's the professor of church leadership, I think, um, mm-hmm. Wesleyan Seminary, I think, in D.C. Okay. Anyway, he was telling a story uh, early on in ministry. Um, uh, he had an executive for the Hallmark Company in his congregation, and this executive said. Um, Meet me for breakfast in a couple of weeks. Would love to hear what you're going to focus on in the coming year. And uh, he said he worked on it and worked on it. And he was all excited to share with his executive, you know, as his young pastor, what he was going to focus on in the in the coming year. And uh, he, uh, again, he was so excited. And he met with this executive and he pulled out his list of 19 or 20 things. And the guy was like, wait, no, this is too much. Yeah. Let's talk again in a couple weeks. And he worked on it some more, and he narrowed it down to like two things. And he said, he said, I, I learned so much from that experience. And then he said, I discovered that my job as a church leader is to help the people of God discern their next faithful step. Mm. And I wanted to stop mowing and just, you know, sit with that for a while because I'm, I just want to fix everything right now. 
Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm, I can be really scattered and I work at focus and I talk a lot about focus. And I talk to our, our elders uh, and leaders in the church about focus. And I'm, I'm also talking to myself as I'm talking to them about it uh, because I don't do it. It's not natural for me. Right. For me, I'm looking at big picture. I'm, I'm looking at how to get a whole bunch of things done. Right. And that one quote, what is the next faithful step for these people? As I continued to mode, I thought, if I, if I held on to that, well, I have just reduced my stress and anxiety and my frustration by a ton if, if I would just do that. Because yeah. when I reflect on those times in ministry, when I'm most frustrated or most upset, it's because I'm trying to make, I'm trying to make a lot of things happen at the same time and not simply help God's people take the next step. So that's what I'm thinking about, how I can really live into that. Yeah, I have a good friend who for the past two Januaries has sat down with me to do, help me do a SWOT analysis of the church's strengths, weaknesses, mm-hmm. opportunities, threats, and um, and the whole point, and she does such a great job of saying like, you know, you just, that's a, for some reason, I just have a really emotional reaction to that process, even though intellectually, I totally understand. Um, but I mean, it just requires looking, looking honestly at the reality of your communion, which is a community, mm. which is imperfect. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think always will be. And as a leader, I, I don't know, I just, there's something not healthy in sort of why I can't just whatever. But, um, and, and she talks a lot about that helpfully, like just pick, you know, the one or two, you know, pick the bucket that's the lowest and you fill that up. And there are some things that you recognize, like, I get that this is a thing. I get this needs improvement, but I, but I'm just letting it be because Mm -hmm. I'm going to focus over here and I really get it. But I will say, um, that's just one of those moments where I really, um, both, I obviously, um, usually love the autonomy and the freedom that comes with being in the role that I'm in. Mm. Um, but they're, they're the, in that moment, when it comes to making that decision, I just like, I want a boss. Like, I just want someone to be like, because I feel, because here's the challenge maybe as I'm seeing this outside, like you pick the one area and, and if you make improvements, then that area becomes invisible. Mm. And, and I feel like what other people will say is you didn't even do that. I mean, you know, like I just have this, fear-based, anxiety-based, you know, mm-hmm. sense of like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I can't, I can't just focus on one thing. Like, what if I pick the wrong thing? What if I, like, will that be, anyway, whatever. So I just, I think that's so true and it's a truth that scares me and it's yeah. just a real challenge. Um, and you know, it's interesting cause, cause the thing that I have really picked to focus on this year is, um, recruiting a, a, a leadership team and it, and I have been just working on that hmm. this year, I mean, pretty deliberately. And, you know, it takes a lot of time investing in individuals and, you know, coordinating with their schedules and figuring out what this looks like and getting things started and getting, you know, and it keeps happening. I'll get like to the point where a person is going to pull the trigger and then something changes in their life circumstances and either temporarily or permanently they can't do it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just back to, back yeah. to zero. And it's yeah. just so overwhelming and frustrating and discouraging to feel like I'm doing this thing I'm supposed to be doing. It's this hard work. It's this invisible work. Yeah. And, and I just don't, 
I don't see the fruitfulness. I don't see the payoff. It's really hard. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's quite difficult because if you pick the one thing that's most necessary, then it's also the thing that is least likely, right? Because it's the thing that hasn't happened yet. So it's going to take the most sort of deep, invisible, frustrating amount of change when you when you try to build in your weak areas as opposed to anyway, whatever. So. Um, Glad you're thinking about that. I feel a little sick in the pit of my stomach that you brought it back up, but excellent. Uh, what are you preaching on? Well, we're starting our series on the core values of oh, yeah. our congregation, and our first core value is spiritual growth. And uh, we're looking at First Peter chapter 2, 1 through 3, uh, where Peter says to believers, crave spiritual milk. So that you can grow up in your salvation. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, That's interesting because when I think of milk in the context, yes. Well, okay. I was reading a commentary uh, last night and the, and the commentator said, okay, I know what you've heard about milk, milk. in other places. Right. This is not what Peter is talking about. Um, when other people talk about spiritual milk, it's in contrast um, to meat. To meat. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's not what's happening here. And so the commentator just basically said, let that go, let it go. But I mean, I do think it's interesting to make two texts talk to each other that, you know, air quote, shouldn't talk Mm. to each other, except that I believe that they do because that's all scripture. scripture. Right. Um, I, I mean, I do think it's interesting and I try to tell myself this all the time, like, and to tell other people, like you can only start where you are. So, Mm. I mean, if what you need is milk, yeah. I mean, if that's where you are, yeah. I mean, even, even, I think Paul's issue with the, it's Corinthians, right? Is that what I he's saying? So. Mm-hmm. His issue with them wasn't that they, it was that they were turning back mm. instead of doing the hard work, which mm. was in front of them. But like, if, if what you need is milk, which many of us do, and yeah. many of the members yeah. of our congregation yeah. do, I mean, I think that's a problem often in the body of Christ is we mm. feel like we need to pretend mm. to be further along than we are. And so, you know, we have this shame about being beginning, like in this, in a culture in general, like nobody wants to be a beginner mm-hmm. um, because we all feel like we should be a, a prodigy or a sage yeah. at all moments in our lives. Well, and, and to be fair, well, I don't know about being fair, but to be clear, Peter does say like newborn babies. So he has that as part of it as well. And the, the situation is that, you know, Peter, Peter, I'm sorry, I'm getting him confused with John. I was thinking he's an old man, last living apostle, but that's yeah. not the situation. Yeah. But he is, he's caring for them like a parent um, caring for children. And so it, it's, a, it's a beautiful metaphor, I think. Um, and I love that he says, crave it, not mm-hmm. drink it because you And not choke to. it down, not, yeah, 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 yeah it's no, that's good. crave So is that this. where you're going to make the joy connection and the 52 Absolutely. weeks of joy? Well, and the text ends... Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, all of that into this idea that we we value spiritual growth. Again, here we go. Not as a have to, but, but as, as a, a get to. to. Mm-hmm. We're driven not because... Um, um, Do this or else. Yes. The sense mm-hmm. of threat or shame or fear. Mm-hmm. But because here's this incredible opportunity. I mean, how much money... Do we, we Americans, spend on um, gym memberships, um, plastic surgery, 
cosmetics, whatever, whatever, clothes, um, because we're trying to change, shape our lives in a certain kind of way. Um, and Actually, it's interesting, too, because we're really trying to do something to the outward. I was just about to say that, yes. But why do we want to change the outward of who we are? Because we believe, and we're told, and we're sold things, mm -hmm. the idea that if you can just change the outward appearance of who you are, it will change the inward yes. reality of how you move through the world. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's a really interesting um, place to go. And just to sort of name, I mean, in, you know, that, that what is external and visible, we believe, is not what is ultimately real and true which is to connect right back to the very beginning of what we're doing but we we're doing this work that we believe spiritually is incredibly important but we live in a culture that's just not i mean yes materialistic but also yeah. just and not in a pejorative way but just we believe we live in a culture where the only thing that's real is what can be yes. you know yes. held or seen or visible and and this hugely um you know, leap that we are saying to this moment in human history is that everything real isn't, isn't visible, that there is a spiritual reality. Yes. And part of what I'm aiming at is that place, no matter how small or big in almost everyone that I've encountered, it's that place where a person says in their heart and mind, this is who I am, what I am, and I can't change. Like, it's something negative. Like, I'm this way, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I probably should change. I kind of want to yeah. change, but I don't have any hope that mm -hmm. I can change. And I, I want to I want to touch that thing right there, mm -hmm. whatever, however you label that. Yeah, so. Hmm. So what are you preaching? By the way, I need to say, uh, since we're talking about preaching, since um, I was at the Grove on Sunday, that hashtag, Becky can preach. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, your sermon was fantastic on Sunday, and it was good to hear, um, you know, the connection between what we talked about in our walk and what mm -hmm. we talked about on the podcast and how it all came together in the sermon. It was really nice. Well, that's helpful. It was it was fun for me to know that you were going to be there. Um, yeah, it, it is always just an interesting thing, and we joke about it that oftentimes we'll have a conversation on Friday and you will curse me. You will say like, oh, you got it. Like, you're done. And then on Sunday, I'm like, ah! <laughs> It's great. It's a great but, sermon. Um, great sermon. Well, I mean, we, we've got the good stuff to work with, right? That, yeah, um, yeah. But that means a lot. I am um, the next step in our worship series, Follow Through, um, is about how to follow, through, follow Jesus through success. Mm. Um, and I think... I'm going to preach the Pauline passage about I've learned the secret of being content um, in whatever circumstance. And I really, um, you know, I want to talk about having our contentment in Christ so that we're, we're stoic and, you know, Christian stoics, you know, so mm -hmm, that we don't mm -hmm. reject pleasure. We don't reject God's good gifts. We can receive them and give thanks for them, but we also don't have to pursue them. We don't have to, yeah. you know, we just have a different way of, of a different access to joy, a different access to our identities and to meaning. Um, and I, um, I'm going to use that weather map analogy, which that was so good. is good. And I'm not going to talk about it now in case somebody's sitting at, <laughs> I don't know. Um, you, maybe it doesn't matter, but I just, I was listening, I was reading this article by a meteorologist who was talking about 
in an era where there is more extreme weather, whatever you want to read into that, there just is more. And so people tune into the weather channel or to their local media or to, you know, social media streams to find out, you know, is this tornado, this wildfire, this flood, this Mm -hmm. storm, is it coming near my home? But people, they put up these maps that have the, you know, county lines or that have the, you know, just the map of the whole state and people don't know, they don't know where they live. Like they can't, the meteorologist was saying, if I go to people in a gathering and I give them a map that doesn't have any man-made, it doesn't have streets on it Mm. and doesn't have, you know, town names or suburb names and say to them, can you point on this map? And will you be within 50 miles of your house? People can't do it. They don't know where they live in the state with any degree of precision, which means they're super vulnerable because they don't know how to judge a threat, you know, something they think can be far away and it's actually really close to them. And I do think that that is sort of how we, you know, it's just a good metaphor for me about how we are with success, that when when we get the things that satisfy us, we don't recognize we sort of tend to and i think marketplace christianity encourages us to Mm. pat ourselves on the back and say this is a positive feedback loop that whatever i'm doing is good um that god is pleased with me you know more of me means more of jesus um and also when things are well with our souls we counterintuitively and ironically tend to disconnect Mm. from the spiritual processes practices that anchor us Mm. so i just know because i see it that when people are going through something difficult they they tend to really reconnect in meaningful ways with with their with their faith community Mm -hmm. and when the pressure is off when they get the job when the prayer is answered they tend to Take weekend trips. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. whatever. And it, it, that's a hard thing to name because you just sound like a bitter get off my lawn kind of pastor. But I also just feel like, you know, people are um, in danger of yeah. losing themselves in their perceived answered prayers. And I just want to name that about what it means to follow Jesus, not when things are hard because I, because again, counterintuitively, I think people actually do a pretty good job of following Jesus when things are hard. It's when things are not hard that people just, uh, you know, the, the enemy of our souls is, is crafty and, and, and people tend to sort of, Mm. um, put Jesus on a, on a back burner and feel this false sense of peace, a false sense of peace. Like, because we have peace with Jesus, but it's not a peace that comes from, our bank account or from our promotion at work or from our health. So it's a false sense of peace that allows us to neglect remembering who we really are and practicing Mm. who we really are. So that is well, you're, you're seeking to help people find that place where Jesus is truly their greatest joy, Mm -hmm. their greatest treasure and I heard someone once uh, say, also their most intense pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, and b- because we are, we are, we, we are drawn to pleasure and we avoid mm-hmm. pain, right? right? So if Jesus is your most intense pleasure, then you, you will follow him. You, you won't let go of him in the midst of your success. And I, I think it's difficult because we all, I think, initially come to Jesus and, and this is fine, come to God 
because we're seeking something, mm-hmm. right? But but then we come to a place where we want to have a relationship with Jesus beyond where the Lord is a mean a mean to our end, right? Yeah, where Jesus yeah. um, and life with God become an end of themselves. Absolutely. And that you know is a really challenging thing, and it's fine to need and want and ask for things. Um, Scripture says that, right? I mean, like that—that's fine. Um, but when God becomes our whatever cosmic vending machine, that—that's mm. um, a problem. Um, anyway, so. Well, I'm just cool. reminded of that that place where Moses says to God, "Show me your glory." Like mm-hmm. after all that Moses <laughs> yeah. had experienced. What else could you ask for, Moses? Well, I would like to see your glory. And I love that. I yeah, love that Moses that, wasn't just... It's, I, it's more of you, God. That, right. That's that's. I mean, he doesn't say, send me into the promised land now and make me king, yeah. right? I mean, because, like, I mean, I use God. I know mm-hmm. I do. Like, yeah. I'm not yeah. sitting up on some pinnacle saying, like, oh, people, you should be more like me. Like, I'm the worst that's of the, the worst. Thing. And I get it. Like, I, I, yeah. I'm just really playing with that with myself. And I think mm-hmm. one of the um, moments of my life that ironically gives me the greatest amount of peace when I consider my own integrity and authenticity is, you know, when it seemed so inevitable and apparent that this church was going to close and my, my, my future as a pastor seemed so marginal and unlikely. Um, and you're sort of questioning, you know, cause so this has become my whole identity and certainly my whole center of my relationship with God, you know, will I, Will I, you know, who will I be? And and realizing like I will always be able to be a follower of Jesus Christ if no I what. choose to be that. Mm-hmm. And so if that's not enough for me, you know, there anyway. So that that was a gift. I mean, that moment mm-hmm. was a gift, and and one that I I hope that I would continue to be able to, you know, find my center in. Mm. Um, anyway, so we should thank everyone for listening, and yes. we should stop talking. Thanks, and, friends. Uh,